Okay. All right. I can see the audio is recording, so we're on, or I'm on. Um, time is 12.49 a.m. currently in Australia, where I'm living at. Oh, I know I shouldn't have waited a year to, to <laughs> record another one of these. God damn it. Yeah, so, right, yeah, it's been almost a year since... Uh, the last one of these I recorded, which is horrible because I think my original plan was trying to do it semi-regularly. Maybe not every week. I think that's a bit idealist. Um, What with like, because I'm a uni student, so uni and then work and then other commitments would really complicate trying to do this kind of thing every week. But, um, you know, somewhat regularly maybe maybe fortnight or end of every month or something like that like a regular check-in but <laughs> from the way it's going so far it might be kind of a annual or biannual occurrence <laughs> um but it's all right we keep it pushing um so yeah it's been almost a year i think the last one was in may and it's march now so oh no april now so ooh like 11 months or so coming up on pretty much yeah and um a lot of things have happened since then but i i want to talk about really quickly just so that future me knows for reference um i pulled up the the anchor podcast website for my my podcast and um you know what the statistics are really amusing just because i didn't actually expect this many people to listen to this kind of thing now obviously uh, not obviously but um it doesn't actually like the dashboard doesn't actually show me like the watch time or the retention time sorry my phone's on so that's embarrassing there we go so even though like i can see the, my podcast performance over you know the past since the first episode's been released and like i can see there's like one play in like the 3rd of june to the 9th of june and then like three plays in uh 4th of november to 10th of november this is all 2021 by the way and um yeah but like i can't i don't know whether they're like complete playthroughs or just you know, someone misclicked <laughs> on my podcast or something. Um, but it's kind of interesting to see that. And by geographic location, it's kind of weird as well. So currently most of my listeners, <laughs> if you can call it that, are from Germany, um, followed by the United States, and then Mexico, Poland, and Norway in a in like a three-way tie for last. Um, by gender... It's a three-way split between female, male, and non-specified. They only give percentages for this as well, so the, it's not as if I can see like, like exactly how many people uh, from my viewers identify as female or male. But yeah, that's that. And uh, in terms of age, I kind of don't want to give away my age, but uh, I can see mostly at the moment it's kind of an older audience that's been... Uh, that's that's been captured by this <laughs> whatever the hell this is <laughs> yeah so yeah it's just a bit of a uh 
I don't know, 10,000 foot view in terms of uh, podcast performance statistics for uh, me to look back on and, you know, I don't know, think about all oh, the good old days or something like that. Anyway, yeah, so lots happened in a year. Um, I don't quite remember what I talked about last time. Ah, yeah, cool, got it up. So, yeah, a couple of things. I talked about why I want to do a podcast last time. Uh, I might keep this short just so I don't bore myself whenever I listen to this in the future. But, yeah, why I want to do a podcast. Um, recent things that were going through my mind at the time. At the time. So, like, uh, exams, uh, the comparison between my sister and I, and uh, what I think contentment, or what I view contentment to be, uh, my flaws, and... Uh, you know, uh, in a surface level and then going deeper. Uh, I don't know if I talked about um, uh, my future goals, but I guess we can get into that today if I didn't last time. I mean, I may as, I may as well, right? Because that's kind of a big part of what's been going on in my life since uh, the last time I recorded one of these. So uh, on the 18th of March, 18th of March, yeah, that's right, Uh I got an offer to study med at uh, in Queensland, actually. Um, and I won't say whether that's interstate or not. I'll leave that uh, to the imagination of the of the listener. But um, yeah, uh, I finally got my chance to study medicine at a, at a university. Um, and in Australia, as a, as a really close person has told me, um, being able to get into a degree that teaches medicine is essentially guaranteeing you the opportunity opportunity to become a doctor in the future. Um, so once you get in, yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, it is a lot of uh, dedication and commitment required to get through the degree and even further into the into future study and work. But like your foot's in the door. Um, and as they put it, I said my foot's in the door, but they said mate you practically walked into the room <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny and also really heartwarming to hear at the time um yeah so this has been a aim of mine since just before I started college actually um I didn't talk about it too much with my friends or um people around me just because I feel like the more I talked about it the less I would focus on it um I don't know I just felt like it's kind of my personality not to like project what my goals were and I may have come across as being secretive or whatnot and I don't know if that's appropriate or not but I don't know, it's just the way I operate but yeah um, I'm really excited it starts in September and uh, obviously now it's April now so I actually got a bit of time compared to most people when they start um and, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to make good use of uh, what I've got. I, I dropped out of uni, as in my current degree. Um, I won't say what I was studying and what year I was in, but it's been um, a strange experience failing <laughs> assignments and exams that I was previously putting so much effort into. And as soon as I found out about my offer, I just threw out the door and uh, fell straight into the abyss. <laughs> Ah, man. I feel like I've gotten really complacent um, over these past few weeks, which really annoys me because I had somewhat of a regular routine before that offer came up. 
that offer came up. Jesus, my voice is going. Because I'm trying to talk quietly, but also succinctly as well. Um, but yeah, um, so I had a regular routine going. Um, but then the interviews for this for this degree came up. And so that sent me back about a week. And then after that, uh, I was studying for the GAMSAT, which I think I talked about as well in my last, uh, in, in the first podcast as well, at the first episode. Uh, I sat at it a second time, by the way, and really quickly as, as an aside, uh, I did that after I got this offer and I'd already accepted the offer. So this was basically just, <laughs> this was just like, you know, going for fun. Like I'd already paid for it. I may as well just sit it, right? So I went to the venue, sat it. I did my best, but honestly, I just winged the essay segment, section two. Uh, I just did what I wanted, basically. <laughs> um, and it, it was the most freeing I had ever felt um, while I've been taking an exam. Which is a strange feeling, because often when you go into an exam, no matter what field you're in, there's always this kind of attitude of expectation, right? Of uh, of pressure, of, of hope. And of trying to pick yourself up and keep yourself up. Um, I'll, I'll say this and then I'll get back to everything else I was saying. But um, a couple of things that I felt that I don't know, I, I couldn't really tell anyone else. Um, both when I got my offer and when I got went to sit the games, that was um, like for me to be able to win or in this case to be able to, to successfully place and get an offer uh someone else had to lose so it's a zero sum game for one person to win another person had to lose one person's gain is another person's loss and um i couldn't stop thinking about that uh over the few days that followed um my offer the the coming of my offer and so when I went to the GAMSAT uh, venue, uh, it was very similar to how it worked last time as well. But um, we got there, got in line, and I looked around and I figured that my mindset this time was so much more different because not only was I felt, not only did I feel so free at the time, but I also felt so much worse going because I knew that... Um, Essentially, I'm going for no reason. I was just going because of a shallow, I guess, shallow attitude that because I'd paid for it, I may as well go, right? But there were people in this line who genuinely looked like they staked a lot on um, trying to get into med and trying to trying to make something of themselves through becoming a doctor, and they have these genuine motivations to becoming a doctor. Not to say that I don't want to become a doctor for genuine reasons, but more to the point that my taking this exam for you know reasons that are not as high stakes as other people's made me feel as though I was robbing other people of their chance to be able to get into medicine because I added more competition to the pool I made it more difficult for people who may in earnest really want to achieve their dreams uh, make it harder for them. I don't know if that sentence makes sense, but yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's like a, I don't know, some weird, perverse, distorted survivor's guilt, maybe, or 
I don't know, some kind of some kind of weird twisted guilt that I felt at the time. And um, yeah, like clearly, I don't know if I've articulated this well enough, but you can potentially see that like it's not something I can actually tell people this kind of thing because they'd be like that could go a couple of ways right that could be either one of oh well this guy already got in what's he talking about is he just trying to make us uh, sympathize with him come on man you you already jumped the fence why are you trying to make us think that you're so you know compassionate <laughs> for these other people or on the other hand it could be um, it's okay, it's alright, you shouldn't have to feel this way, don't worry about it, leave it, leave it alone. Um, you got in, it's all good, just um, don't worry about it, just focus on what you what you can achieve. And I don't know, I think both, both points can be valid, but at the same time, I just, I, I felt like, I I felt this way both when I got the offer and when I went to sit the game set. And because I feel this way, no matter how other people might view my feelings, I still think that it's valid that I, I felt this way, no matter if it's appropriate to say to other people or not. And so when I gradually came to realize that, it became a lot easier to process and um, just accept that, well, maybe maybe I am adding competition. Um to the postgraduate admissions process for med and so yeah maybe I am unnecessarily doing so and putting other people um, on a on the competitive back foot if you will but at the same time it is what it is like I have to accept that um, that that's happened and that's something that I've done um, whether it's right or wrong like I, I don't know I couldn't really tell you but it did make me feel a little bad. But yeah, okay. That was a very long tangent. <laughs> I don't know why I went for that long. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, life's been a bit weird these days. I dropped out of uni. Um, I still got a couple of forms i got to fill out to get my transcript because I would not be able to get any formal qualification showing that I've actually studied there. Um, so no certificate certificate oh my god what country am i from certificate no certificate no diploma um not at all i can apply for like a, an electronic transcript but that's about it that's that's as far as uh my university goes in terms of being able to <laughs> able to let me show that i've actually invested time into studying at this institution um uh yeah um gonna start working more soon um, I work as a dental assistant, by the way, and it really scares me. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't feel nearly as competent as other people who've been working there. Some people who actually uh, came after me and really, like, they're really killing it, even though it is a hard job. Like, I've uh, grown. I've come to appreciate uh, the the dental industry so much more. By dental industry, I mean dentists dental assistants and receptionists so what makes up a private clinic because I, I have private clinic experience I don't I don't work in a government clinic but yeah I've come to appreciate uh the work that puts into running that kind of environment so much more now that I've actually been a part of it myself for I think two and a half to three years now I think yeah so yeah and and really like 
it, it doesn't terrify me, but it kind of it kind of sets off nerves in my head. I don't usually get too nervous about anything, but I, I found out that interviews and work are the two things that really like kind of like uh, set goosebumps going. Well, not goosebumps, but you get what I mean. It's just like tension, uh, like a wire that's being pulled from both ends. Everyone there is super nice. Like the work environment is really nice. Um, I think it's just my confidence in myself because I don't feel qualified or that I deserve to work in a place like that. Um, in Australia, dental assistants apparently don't have to have a formal qualification to be able to work, uh, which means that I'm I am technically not breaking the law by working at the practice I'm working at, thankfully. Because um, if I was, I think I wouldn't be able to live with myself, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but there was a period of time where I never bothered to look into it. And so I was just, in my head, I was just thinking, Jesus Christ, if I'm actually working at this place against the law, because I don't have any qualifications, if I get found out, what will happen? Do I go to court? Do I, I don't know, do I get charged as a criminal? Do I, like, have to out my employee, uh, employers? I don't know it's like and my mind started like over catastrophizing about all the all the potential downsides to <laughs> taking up this job um which happened by complete accident actually so I have I don't know whatever deity you believe in to thank for that but yeah no works challenging but it's it's really rewarding I think it's very hard but at the same time, I can really see how it helps benefit people when I help the dentist do their job. Um, and it's also helped me realize that I do not want to become a dentist. So I'm glad that uh, medicine's the path I'm going down because dentistry is, oof. I don't think I could deal with looking into mouths all day. <laughs> Maybe here and there, but definitely not as part of my daily job. I don't know. Not my thing. Um... Yeah, so I'm going to start working a bit more. Um, I'm in a dance class. I'm not going to say what what type of dancing because that'll be too much information, I feel like. Bit of TMI, so we'll refrain from that. But um, I've been in, in a dance class for, I'm going to say, 10 years. Either coming up on 10 years or even approaching 11, 12 years. I can't exactly remember when I started. It was, it's been weird. Uh, in the beginning, I kind of stopped and started here and there. But, uh, yeah, for the longest time, I've been a student in this class. I, I didn't like it for a long time, but I stayed in it because of personal reasons. And um, eventually what happened is I actually ended up really liking um, the class. Uh, but I'll be clear, the, the reason I like this class isn't because... Uh, it's a couple of reasons. I like the the style of dancing we do. It's very interesting. Um, the most I'll say about it is it gives a lot of like cultural context for me. So uh, it's a part of my cultural heritage, and so I learn a lot more about my my ancestry and my culture as a result of like taking part in this type of dance as well. And uh, yeah, like you upskill you you learn to be able to work with others and stuff like that but the main reason I actually like this class is because of the class itself the teacher, the students who are in it 
the environment we have, the dynamic we have with each other, it's just become like a second home to me. And I like, I don't know, I just feel like whatever, no matter what kind of style we danced, if I were with those people in that class, I wouldn't mind or I wouldn't care at all. Because, and don't get me wrong, like there's always problems in this class. Uh, everyone has their own issues. Some people cause issues for other people. I, I'm the first to admit that I've been a, a highly problematic individual in this class uh, when I was younger. Hopefully not so much anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the past, I was not, I was not a nice guy. Um, but yeah, uh, despite these like issues and uh, misgivings, uh, I, I've still come to really love this class. Like it's, it's another home to me, like I said before. Um, I guess because even despite all the things I've done wrong to my classmates or to my teachers or teachers, um, I still felt like I, I was still able to come back to that class and still felt like I was accepted. Um, which can be a hard thing to come by for some people, um, especially um, uh, in, during my childhood, something like dancing I viewed as really, really, like, uh, overly effeminate or feminine. So I absolutely do not like it. Uh, like, that was part of the reason why I didn't like it. And so being able to come to realize that, like, these people, um, like, they'll, they'll accept me for who I am no matter how I felt or what I did as long as I apologized and I made up for it I'd always have some place to come back to um, that really sustained me and to this day it's one of the biggest reasons why I love this class and uh, the reason I bring it up is because uh, I've actually started teaching a bit more here um, it's not a super formal thing it's more like <laughs> it's pretty impromptu really it's just the teachers like uh, hey can you think you can uh, teach this part to these kids at this time. Um, if you need any help, I'll be in the other room, but just shout if you need some. But yeah, can you just do this for me while I handle the class in the other room? And I'll be like, okay, all right. And um, yeah, I'll teach a couple steps, do my best to try and control kids, um, which I'm not really good at doing. I'll say right now, I'm not interested in having kids when I get older. Um, if that's not a good enough hint that I'm not married or that I'm in a relationship or I have kids for that matter, then yeah, there you go. Um, no, I can I can handle kids in small doses, and I actually do like a couple kids. A couple kids I think I find cool, um, but in general I just can't like the the amount of energy it takes to oh man. To teach and to discipline them in a, in a in a teaching setting like a dance class like the like what I just mentioned I think that's bearable like like fine and also the kids there can be pretty cool as well so it's not as if it's always bad but like what I mean is over a sustained period of time say I don't know having children and then having to look after them for the next uh, however many years or days on end uh, constantly having to look after them and having to discipline them and having to 
like like uh, show concern for them, constantly worrying about them and their well-being. I can barely take like I can barely take care of myself, so I'm not sure how <laughs> I could take care of another another organism besides me. Uh, except for maybe like a low maintenance cat. I don't think I'd even have a pet for that matter, because I'm just so like I'm so self-centered. <laughs> I realized, <laughs> and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the bad thing would be if I didn't realize that, and I still like. Like, I'd still try to have kids, you know? And then what would happen? I'd be so... I'd be... I'd get mad at my kids. I'd take it out on them. I could take it out on my wife. And and then uh, I, I'd, I'd place the onus of my shortcomings onto other people and my circumstances rather than me and who I am and how I got to that point. Um, and I hate for that to happen. I would hate for that to happen. Um... It's like, yeah, that weird tangent aside, yeah. Started teaching, um, it's pretty cool, I think, uh, in small doses. <laughs> but it's really good for me to get used to, especially because in medicine, you often are involved in a lot of teaching uh, and to many different types of people as well. So starting with little kids, especially them being a not-so-favorite demographic of mine, I think is a good way to put me in the deep end and really... Um, test my skills under pressure um yeah so that's a quick life update sorry i keep tapping on my laptop just because i'm i'm so nervous after not having done this for a long time i keep tapping between like the notes i've drawn up for what i want to talk about during this episode and uh garage band which is what i use to actually record the audio um and and whenever i get impatient looking at the waveforms coming up as I'm recording, I'll like tap onto my notes app and then I'll just skim read over whatever I have coming up next. And then once I'm bored of that, I'll just switch back and then it's, it's just a, it's just a back and forth like that. So, yeah, feature me. I apologize for that. You're gonna have to deal. With, you're probably gonna have to deal with that now. But now that I pointed it out, pointed it out, it's probably not gonna be as bad. Um, yeah, because I found, like, self-awareness really helps with it. Because before, I was just doing it out of, I don't know, like like a almost a form of fidgeting. But now that I've actually pointed it out, and now that I'm aware of it consciously, I think it'll help. But, okay. Besides that, I don't know why I put this down. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is going to be a defining moment for you, my brother. So, recently... No, this isn't recent, actually. This is maybe a couple of weeks after my first episode, but I was meaning to record that last year, and it obviously didn't end up happening, so I'm still going to say it now. But, yeah, for the first time ever, in, in the first time ever in recent history, because in childhood this has happened a couple times here and there, but not seriously, but now it's happened quite seriously. And when I say seriously, I don't mean like, oh, this is going to become my life, but more so that, like, oh, I didn't think I'd actually feel this way about someone. And no, it's not what you're thinking. Uh, I finally have a celebrity crush. And this isn't... <laughs> I like to make jokes about, like, Ryan Gosling or... Um, who are the other people I joke about? Um, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling? No, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's it. Ryan Reynolds, Michael B. Jordan... 
uh, probably a couple other people that I don't know, but they because they're mo- mostly males, and I like to mean that you know they're good looking, and they are. But oh, excuse me. Um, and they are good looking, but the key is that I don't really. I don't actually. I'm not gay. I'm not. I'm not a homosexual. So it's not as though I actually find or I take an interest in them. It's more just that, you know, I can appreciate that they are um, attractive individuals. But I don't do the same for females. Here and there, I'll make a passing statement about how all they might look good here and there. But I don't know. If, I don't like consciously think about any any women as particularly attractive. Any women in um, show business. But recently, ah, oh, frick, what show was it? I don't even remember. Ah, oh, man. Is she, okay, so she's an actress. She's a Japanese actress. Her name's uh, Fukuhara Haruka. Fukuhara Haruka. <laughs> I don't know if my Japanese pronunciation is that good or not, but um, yeah. First name Haruka, last name Fukuhara. And um, she's a Japanese actress and a singer as well. Um, so she's got a couple albums out as well, and um, yeah, she's nice. <laughs> she's nice as in she's a nice personality. It looks like it. She's a nice disposition, um, and yeah, she's really cute. I I don't know what else to say about it, but it was such a strange moment for me. Um, I keep a I keep a diary, uh, kind of a diary, it's kind of like a weirdly merged photo slash journal entry diary on my phone right um and I'll, I'll every day i'll just like take a picture of something that'll remind me about that day or i'll write down something that'll remind me about that day in particular and <laughs> the day i realized that i had i had my first celebrity crush celebrity crush in a long time i <laughs> saved a picture of her and then put it in my diary and was like brother First time in a long time, can you believe it? I have a celebrity crush again, and I saved that. And it was at this moment I realized just how d- degenerate I really was. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But I guess, I don't know, I guess I'm proud that I have actual concrete proof that I'm not a homosexual. But here's the thing, right? I've... Okay. So I'm still a virgin. So I have no experience whatsoever. But... I've, I've like... <laughs> is it weird to say I've, I've conducted thought experiments? Or just I've thought about whether I, I like... I've like theorized about whether I'm genuinely into like guys or not. And my answer despite a lot of like pondering right like some serious thought has still been that i don't actually i'm not sexually interested in males right that's what I, that's what i found out about, uh, after all this time what i found out um is that i am thoroughly into women <laughs> but um i think probably from my childhood i've been kind of like repressed in terms of being able to show my attraction towards other like pe- people of the opposite sex and so as a result I don't like to admit to myself or to other people whether I find someone attractive or not 
because I, from a young age, I've been, I've not been comfortable with doing that at all. Um, the way I showed someone that I liked them when I was younger was by teasing them constantly and trying to, and roasting them basically, uh, basically giving them the exact opposite signals that shows that I like them. Um, yeah, um, I like to think now I have a bit more tact, like uh, like I'll. I wouldn't necessarily just be super mean to one girl and then, I don't know, be super nice to everyone else. <laughs> I don't think it'd be that obvious. I, I kind of tease everyone if I can, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's weirdly formative. It was weirdly, like, I don't know. It kind of, it kind of placed a piece of the puzzle in my, that was a really, Okay, I didn't word that right. Okay, let me let me try that again. It 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 added another piece to my ever completing puzzle that had always remained empty up until that point. Okay. Alright. Next episode I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna rewatch this or re listen to this and find out if I if this was actually as cringe as I thought it was. Cause it probably is. Anyway. So that's that, right? Um, coming, going on from this, well, slightly related to this is uh, I think I might actually be very egotistical when it comes to um, female attention towards me. So, for the record, I am not a conventionally attractive uh, uh, guy, right? So, um, my height is either average or just above average, right? Uh, my facial features individually, I think, are actually pretty nice. So, uh, I have some pretty long eyelashes. I think my eyes are pretty nice. Uh, my hair is pretty curly, which apparently a lot of people like. And I have dimples as well on, like, both cheeks. So, um, and I, and I smile pretty openly as well. Like, I, I don't like, I'm not always super moody or anything like that. So, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I like to think I have a bit of a cheery disposition, Yeah. Um, but as a collective, uh, I'm probably a hard four to a light five <laughs> overall. And this isn't out of, if any, this isn't out of a lack of confidence. If anything, it's actually out of, uh, like continuous self-realization that conventionally I might not be that attractive, but even so I can still accept myself, right? Um, yeah, and but here's the thing. Even knowing that I'm not that attractive and not that appealing to to women generally, I will still like I will still feel so self-conscious whenever a girl looks at me for too long. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. And I will always think it's with ulterior motives. I'll always think Am I speaking too loud? I'm gonna take off my headphones for a second. Just to make sure that I'm not speaking too loud. I don't think so. Yeah, okay. I think you still hear my voice. Yeah, I can see the waveforms. Okay, I'm going to put my headphones back on. Okay, there we go. Sorry, I just had to make sure. Because uh, the rest of the house is asleep, so I don't want to make too much noise. But yeah, um, it's so annoying because consciously I'll know that, oh, I don't know, maybe she's looking at me because I, I was walking by her and she was just registering that I was there. Uh, but subconsciously, I'll be like, yo, is she looking at me? Is she checking me out, bro? Come on. 
um, act disinterested. Girls like disinterested guys, right? Because <laughs> I, I genuinely, I'm not, I'm not interested. But I think I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm hardwired to like female attention, and so any morsel I can get, I, I subconsciously go, yeah, baby, and I just, and I just get hooked on that. It's a bit of dopamine. It's, it's my nicotine. You know what I'm saying? It's really annoying, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's it's very. Uh, I really want to uh, like deal with that, but I don't know how to approach even going about addressing it. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's such a weird problem that I don't hear other people having. Maybe overconfidence is the closest thing to it. I'm not sure. I have to think more about it. Um, gotta self introspect a bit more, I guess, but. Yeah, that's that's one thing I gotta work on. Um, right, okay. So next, I have what I've got written up. Actually, I had this written up before talking about egoism, but next I had uh, the difference between self-acceptance and self-love. Or actually, okay. So some of this I have no reasonable justification for, but as it stands, this is my position. So future me, you got a reference. Third uh, of April, twenty twenty-two. This is my views. So, I think self-love is uh, is actually a farce. Like a complete... I think it's a wrong, like misplaced focus. I think trying to love yourself is placing too much importance and attachment on you and who you are. Um, if I were to love every part of myself, uh, that also means I love my flaws, which I don't think I should actually do. I think if anything, I should be aware of them and know that they're there. I shouldn't vilify my flaws, but at the same time, I shouldn't celebrate them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I should be cognizant of my flaws, but I should always be striving to improve on them and always seeking some kind of discipline or some kind of disposition that helps me address them. And that's where I think self-acceptance is actually more in terms of like long-term and mentally, spiritually, in terms of general well-being even, I think self-acceptance is a more uh, like holistically suitable goal for people than self-love. Uh, and it's for these kind of reasons that I've mentioned. So I think when you, when you, when you try, like when, when you think of loving yourself, you get attached too much to who you are now and what you've become. But then you start to lose sight of how you can change and what you can become in the future, um, for better or for worse, you know? You just become stagnant. Like, I love myself now, why should I change? I shouldn't change for anyone. I have my own standards. You know what I'm saying? That was probably not necessary, but I, I hope the point still sticks. Uh, whereas self-acceptance means, in my opinion, it means Yes, uh, this is the way I've lived and what has happened to me has happened up up to this point, and this is who I am now. But I accept that uh, my past is not me, my present isn't me either, and my future will definitely change who I am as well. And I can accept that uh, iteratively, like repeatedly. It's, it's not stagnant. I feel like, yes, you can think of loving yourself as a process as well, but I, I think... 
it still it still can potentially come back to uh, I don't know I just feel like it lacks uh, foresight in a way whereas self-acceptance means I can accept myself for who I was who I am now and who I will be whereas loving myself is in my opinion and I don't have a good justification for otherwise if I if someone were to ask why not but it's in my opinion a lot more focused on the present than what I could do for you in the future yeah so that's my that's my stance on that now okay the next thing I had a, uh, had written up was uh, what makes up my morality uh, in particular my principles and <laughs> I made a list of principles, actually, that um, I've stuck on my on my bedroom door. I don't, like, refer to them religiously, but I feel like I've internalized a lot of them um, for the most part in my, in my daily life. Excuse me, I burped. Oh, I did it again. Oops, I did it again. I think it's Britney Spears. I actually don't know who made that song. So... Yeah, <laughs> like I fully like typed it out, Microsoft Word, printed it out, color. I use like red text as well. Stuck it on my door, and uh, called it a day, <laughs> basically. But I actually think I really re- like these. What I wrote still resonates with me to this day. Some of it I might find cringe now, like some of the way I might I may have worded some examples or the way I've worded certain principles. I might find a little bit, you know, like teeny, not teeny, isn't like T-E-E-N-Y. Actually, no, that's exactly what I meant. I mean, as like resembling that of a teenager's thought process, not teeny isn't like really small. <laughs> Although I guess that could also work, but yeah. Um, I'm going to read these and then I'm going to talk about at this point what I believe makes up my morality when I think about issues that I tackle in daily life. So, okay, starting from number one. Never assume the negative. There's always more to the story than what you hear from one person. No matter what you hear, don't make your own assumptions. Right? I mean, that's actually really good. I feel like it does complicate things in daily life because often humans really want to simplify things down, um, especially when we're busy and we have a lot of things on our mind, it's really hard to try and think about, I don't know, if someone's really angry angry in a bus stop, rather than thinking about, oh God, i got to get away from this guy, don't want to, don't look at him, don't interact with him. It's much harder to be, well, okay, shouldn't aggravate him even more, or wonder, like, there could be a number of reasons why he might be acting this way. Um, just because he's angry doesn't mean that he's in the wrong, maybe he's being wronged, you know, I've heard a lot about how people who've been cheated on really act out in public. It's kind of a really strange example for me to put, like pick up, but I don't know, like just some kind of explanation just so you, you can kind of see where I'm coming from. Um, but yeah, essentially, assuming from the output makes an ass out of me. Oh, God. Oh, there's another thing. Swearing. That's that's the, another thing I would talk about, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually think this is really good because it really helps with empathizing as well. Um, especially because you don't jump to conclusions about how people feel and why they feel that way. 
you try and take a step back and you don't assume anything, especially if it's negative. Um, yeah. Number two, be familial. Uh, side note, I actually still have a lot of trouble with this at times, but I think I'm working on it. So it's, it's a work in progress. <clears throat> Always care about the people around you, your friends, family, acquaintances. Don't hear a troubled person and do nothing. You could almost argue that very last bit is um, similar to the uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Although in this case, it's not about having power or not having power. It's just about that part of having the duty to actually act on 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 any on any situation involving some kind of factor where you can help contribute. Um, and you following up and doing so rather than um, flaking. Um, yeah, I still have trouble with this. <laughs> um, admittedly, sometimes it's, it's often for my own self-care, and it's often because, and it's sometimes also because I deem it actually more important in extenuating circumstances that I don't contribute for certain things compared to me doing so. But that's besides the point. This is definitely something I can still work on. Okay. Number three, bear your weight. Pull your burden. Don't let anyone else take it. Pile on more, but don't delegate. It's your weight, so it's your responsibility. Stick it out and talk to someone if you need help. So I, th I feel like I'd kind of twisted this principle in the past in a couple ways. But the main thing I want to talk about here is I, I used to have... I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it a savior complex, but I used to have this tendency to always want to take the fall for people uh, whenever they're getting in trouble and uh, take the blame whenever another person actually deserves it. Um, and I actually found that it really stroked my... Like, it really satisfied me in a strange way. Like, that actually made me happy when I saw people appreciate me for taking the fall for them or taking the blame or whatever. Um, I almost felt proud that I'd done what I'd done. And instead of thinking about how this helped the other person, I just thought about how, wow, like their view of me has really improved, hasn't it? And I've come to really not like that attitude because it's overall just self-serving, you know? The main reason I took the fall wasn't because I genuinely wanted to help out the person I was trying to help, but more so to stroke my own ego, to to satisfy myself. Self-gratifying behavior, I think that might be the term. I don't know. But yeah, uh, I think I've done a good job of overall working on that, though. And and yeah, I I think I do a good job of also maintaining my workload or my 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 burden, I guess, if I want to call back to this principle, uh, maintaining my own burden without delegating unnecessarily. So obviously, sometimes you have to delegate. And I didn't really think about this at the time of writing. But um, I think what I meant was, don't don't um, delegate unnecessarily, only really ask for help or ask for assistance when you really need it, um, or when you deem it educationally appropriate. Otherwise, 
if it's your responsibility, it's your responsibility, and you follow that through to the end. Um, yeah. Number four, comfort is good as a goal, but not as a constant. I can never improve if I'm comfortable. Take the heat, face the music, eat the frog, and remember what you learned from it. Yeah. Um, I think my wording of this one is actually not that good. <laughs> the principle, not the, not the explanation. So, comfort is good as a goal, but not as a constant. So, I think constant part is understandable. So, if you're constantly comfortable, you're never, like, you're never uh, inspired or motivated to ever change anything about yourself. Um, or your circumstances, or your output, your your total output, your contribution, nothing changes. It's just constant. It's like it, it just becomes dull um, eventually. Um, I think what I mean when I say it's good as a goal is that it's good to aspire towards a comfortable lifestyle or a comfortable um, disposition. So comfortable as in like, you know, you take it easy, you don't put too much pressure on yourself. You're easygoing, happy go. Maybe not happy go lucky, but you know what I mean. Like easygoing, um, um, like very flowy. <laughs> I don't have other adjectives for this, but yeah. Whereas it's not. Um, oh, I want, I want luxury cars. I want leather seats. I want a mansion, a pool. I want all the heights of, you know, comfort. Um, it's not 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 material comfort. It's more, I think, mental stability and um, disposition. I I really like the word disposition. I don't know. I guess it's a really applicable word. I guess, but hmm. number five, believe in everyone's potential. Nobody's a lost cause. What you do for someone today could mean great things for them and the world. You have no reason to be envious or jealous about it. Ooh, so far, I think this is the one I've been able to embody the most. Um, as far as I'm concerned, anyone else's success is my success. Freak. Sorry about that. Goddamn. Ah, this is so amateur, bro. I'm holding my phone, uh, which has a picture of my of my document that I stuck up on my door. And my phone just hit the mic, which is what you just heard. So... Future me and anyone else who's bothered to listen this far, I deeply apologize for the horrible ASMR I've been providing along with my voice. So, yeah, as I, as I was saying, anyone else's success is my own success. Um, I have no reason to be jealous of others. No matter whether they're in different fields, no matter whether they're, whether they're in the same field as me, whether they're older, whether they're younger whether they've reached the heights of success or they've just accomplished something that I've already accomplished or they've accomplished something that maybe I don't deem to be super, super impressive. Even so, it's important to acknowledge it and to know that the potential that people have is incredibly important because potential isn't only limited to oneself. It it also can affect the lives of others. So... Being able to nurture the potential of one person doesn't mean you're only helping this one person. It also means you could be influencing the other people that interact with this person that you're helping with. It becomes a like a web or a, a exponential increase. A exponential increase? Yeah. Um, 
butterfly effect, I think is another way you can put it. Although what I'm thinking of is more of like branching out um, like nodes that keep growing off of each other. You know, one becomes two, two becomes eight, eight becomes however many. Um, and I'm a big believer in potential. I know I've heard a lot of people talk about that. And, you know, it seems really like wishy-washy when they say potential. What do you mean by potential? I think what I mean by potential is the ability for someone to be able to contribute to the betterment of their own life or for the lives of others. Now, betterment can mean a lot of things as well. And we you can argue a lot about stuff like that. And you get into a lot of things when it comes to what actually is betterment. You know, is betterment for yourself? Uh, I don't know, lifestyle changes or changing your mental attitude and benefit of others? Could that be, you know, um, I don't know, being able to take care of your family better, uh, being able to support them better, being able to make new friends, being able to support your friends, and even beyond just people, you could be, I don't know, contributing to your environment, contributing to an organization, or to a, a body that you represent or are a part of. I don't know, It's it, the possibility is endless. And I feel like nurturing people's potential from any achievement or any failure even, no matter how big or how small, no matter how different they may be from you, I think can eventually come to, you know, provide a great deal of um, net good for the world. Um, whatever good may be, as you might define it. Okay, number six, quiet leadership. If you can't handle the limelight, find something to do behind the scenes. The quiet aren't always the followers. I think I was trying to kind of be <laughs> touch poetic when I was writing this, but yeah, I think, oh man. So I have a lot of introvert tendencies, introverted tendencies, you could say. Um, I tend to keep to myself a fair bit. Whenever I'm out and about with people and I come home, I instantly have to be alone for a while to recharge. Um, which is not to say I don't like being with people. If anything, I actually like real like if the if the company is good, I would I can be with them for like days on end. But eventually it will come a time where I have to have some alone time and recharge. And uh I prefer to keep to myself if possible, but if not, you know, it is what it is. But um yeah, in terms of leadership, the quiet aren't always the followers. I, I really believe this is true. Um and I think like there's a lot of different examples for this, you know, theater productions or stage productions. The person who's presenting or the people who are acting on stage, they're not the only people who are running the show, but also the people, you know, on the lights, on the makeup, on the costumes, the set designs. You know, everyone has their own piece of leadership that they've got to carry out. And even if you aren't speaking the loudest, I still think you have a part to play in, in your leadership role. Um... If you're if you're not so outspoken, um, as an aside, I really like the idea of servant leadership, which is uh, leading by your duty to serve other people. Um, I think is the best way I can define it, and I think a doctor actually really really uh, encompasses this kind of concept really well because, you know, in the, at the end of the day, doctors and like really any health professional for that matter, whether it be, you know, doctors or dentists or 
uh, dental assistants or nurses or whoever, or allied health professionals, they are, we're all work, well, they're all working, I'm not working yet, they're all working to try and, uh, like, they're, they're working for the sake of their patients. That's that's really it. And so any leadership endeavor that we encounter or any 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 teamwork scenarios that we got to go through as healthcare workers, we do so for our patients. And I think that's why servant leadership really fits here um, and why leadership can be quiet. And it can still be as effective, if not even more so effective, than highly outspoken, highly projected leadership, if that makes sense. Number seven. Arguably the most cringiest one. Oh, God. Okay. In caps. Live. Don't exist. Carpe diem. Don't float through life, ghosting and never feeling truly alive. Find joy in anything you can. So the general message is pretty, I don't know, it's a pretty common one, right? Live your life to the fullest. Do what you can. Live, like, don't don't have regrets, that kind of thing. But I feel like this is less of a realization and more of a reminder um, out of the principles I have because I often find that during my life, I tend to get really caught up in enjoying my daily life and not really thinking about branching out and trying new things or having new experiences. Instead, I opt for, uh, I don't know, simple pleasures. I really like... Um, there's a uh, is this too much information? I should be fine. There's a light rail near where I live, right? And I just really like going on it and standing in in the rail and watching the trees go by and feeling the weight underneath me shift as the as the light, as the rail speeds up and slows down. I like watching the scenery change and pass by me. I like people watching. I like seeing you know people live their lives in public. Um, I like sitting down on a park bench and just looking at, you know, the world go by me. Um, I can I can do all these things in a single day, and I'd say that was a really not a successful day, but a really like a, a day that made me feel very contented, if that makes sense. But I feel like you you can't just do this. I feel like there's got to be a mix, because I don't want to come to regret not having done those other things that are more adventurous and more spontaneous or more extreme relative to what I find joyful or what I find pleasurable in, in life. Um, yeah, yeah. So I guess you could probably call this a more of a call to action than a principle, um, but it's fine. <laughs> okay, number eight. You're not the main character but you can be like one. Take the action that decides the story rather than letting the story decide your outcome. Don't be an attention whore and be the best ever side character. Compliment, don't overpower. I really like how I wrote this one. Like, I, when I said this just now, it was uh, to correct for the spelling and grammar, grammar errors that I've included in the original document, but... I just I like I really like the message. I don't believe anyone's I don't know. I feel like there's a huge obsession with like being the main character in um 
either my generation or the one just before it. Uh, I think I'd be considered Gen Z, probably, or Gen Y. One of those two. Maybe in between. I don't, I don't even know at this point. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people are really interested in their own lives and how they're living it and how they're perceived by other people. And I really, really try not to be focused on that. I really try to take interest in other people's lives and not try to place too much focus on um, projecting who I am or like or forcing my life onto other people or trying to project main character energy if I had to put it in <laughs> in Gen Z terms. Um, yeah, and that very last bit, compliment, don't overpower. Oh, man, I love that. I really like that. Rather than, rather than being... Okay, the best way I can put this is I I love the idea and I would much rather prefer being the Watson to someone else's Sherlock. I used to really want to be the Sherlock, you know what I mean? Like the, the guy who's able to solve everything, who has the super smart, witty tendencies, um, who is like the savant, right? The prodigy, um, the, the absolute you know, edgelord. <laughs> um, but more recently, or I guess at the time of writing the, these principles, I found out that knowing that I'd contributed to something in a small but still significant way that may not be seen necessarily as visibly as someone else's achievements, really, really, like, it really made me very, like, content and really... Uh, happy about uh, about that like being able to, to to exercise subtlety and yet still influence the situation I feel like is a, like a mastery in being able to deal with life because I think you can I think anyone can with enough emotion like try and over, overpower and take control of the situation but I think it takes a lot more skill and a lot more finesse to be able to um, compliment, I guess, in this case, and not overpower um, in daily life, I feel like. Um, and that's something I aspire towards. It's not something I've been able to do succinctly or very well at all. I don't think succinctly was the right word, but you know what I mean. Um, it's that one's still a work in progress as well. Um yeah. Um, I just love that notion. Uh, okay, the last two are very depressing. <laughs> or they sound depressing, but they have they have a deeper meaning in why I phrased them the way they're phrased. So number nine, everything is your fault. Your past, the pain you've caused, it's all because of you. Nothing you do will change that. But everything you do now can literally change the future. So, this is something I've always been wrestling with, is uh, how bad I feel about the wrongs I've done in the past and the hurt I've caused other people. Um, like I said before, at the very start of this podcast, pretty much, um, I'm not a nice guy. Um, or at least I de- I've definitely had my fair share of misgivings from my end. Like, I made a lot of mistakes 
I've done a lot of people wrong. I've done a lot of them dirty. <laughs> I want to put it nonchalantly. Um, but there's nothing I can do about that now. That that hurt stays. Um, that hurt stays inflicted. I guess. It remains uh, distributed. Like that truth. That re- that truth remains immutable. There's nothing I can do about it now. What I can do though is change how I act. So when I say that everything is my fault, it's to it's more so to take ownership and accountability than to put myself down and to and to beat myself up over what I've done in the past and why and how I how I could have possibly become the person I've become because of these horrible things that I've done. Um, instead it's more about accountability and being able to know that no matter what's happened before, as long as I'm able to act knowing and with hindsight, um, with these experiences in mind, um, I can change my future or I can at least work towards a future that mitigates any possibility of similar events happening, if that makes sense. Number 10. (laughs) <laughs> and I'd crossed out the principle itself, but basically it was it was written, you are the lowest, and then in brackets, bottom of the barrel. You are the worst at everything and definitely not the best. Given that, you are in the unique position of having the most potential to learn more and rise. You are the worst, so you have the best chance of beating your innate wiring. Yeah, I know. I think arguably this is probably the most confusing one out of the ones I've written. But uh, the best way I had thought about it at the time was essentially I needed a motivator for improving. Oh, wow, it's raining. I think it's raining outside. Uh, yeah, so I needed a motivator to for self-improvement, but I don't know what it could have been. Um, and I think this along the same this lies along a similar vein to the previous principle, which is that um, I have to take ownership that I'm definitely not the best at anything. Um, like I don't have a niche that I can really call my own and uh, and really claim ownership to and, and and lay claim and say this is this is my thing. this is my um, this is my spot. And no one else uh, can, or no one else can really lay claim to it like I can. And so, instead, what that means is, as as the person who lacks expertise, I am the person who stands to gain the most. Uh, whereas experts have already learned and learned and learned, they arguably are stuck in their own curse. Or like the web of um, I think uh, I think it's called the curse of knowledge, which is where the more you know, the more limited you are in how you think and and your ability to be able to think non-linearly. Oh God, your ability to think non-linearly. And so what what ends up happening is, uh, the more uh, uh, skillful you are at something, let's say playing guitar a specific way trying to relearn and trying to modify your foundations uh, after having learned guitar a specific way 
um, is arguably way harder than learning from the beginning um, because when you're an everyman or you're a beginner, you're essentially a clean slate. So what I'm trying to communicate to myself here, I think, is that in any field, I'm a clean slate. Um, I shouldn't assume that I know anything or more to the point that I know anything that is definitely certainly true and uh, would make me qualified or, or an authority on that, which also means that I can learn more and I can learn uh, more openly as someone who is less experienced because of this disposition, because of this ability to be malleable and, and adaptable. So I think by saying that I'm the worst, <laughs> it's, it's to say that I have the most potential of becoming the best. Uh, rather than saying that um, this is an absolute position that I occupy uh, inherently, like forever. Um, and those are my principles. Those are, those are the ten principles of my life written, I think, in year nine. <laughs> Which was, how long ago was that? I want to say... No, if I say, then that's probably TMI. But yeah, year nine is probably good. Uh, probably a good shout in terms of when I wrote it. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about... Ooh, don't cover my mouth. Don't make too much loud noise. Goddamn. I was going to talk about my like my moral compass as of now. Uh, putting the principles aside. Um, but... I'm already at like an hour and ten minutes, pretty much. I don't know. Do I want to talk about it? I might talk about it later. Um, yeah, I feel like I should dedicate a fair bit of a podcast to this, to this topic. Um, yeah, I I might I might put it off, put this off, but yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, I'm still single, not ready to mingle, um, not interested in dating, really. More focused on myself. And uh, I don't think there's anyone who can really... Uh, oh, God, I was going to say, I don't think there's anyone who can handle me, but that's such a cringe thing to say. Ah. What I meant to say was, I don't think there's anyone who is all that compatible with me. Let's say. I'll put it like that. I'm a very strange individual. Um, I feel like I, the way I operate in daily life is very, very, like, very distinct and very set apart from how other people work. Especially because I'm very slow in terms of, like, anything that other people do, um, I'll do in, like, two or three times the amount of time that they do it. So, like, let's say, I don't know. Um, getting gas I'm not American by the way but like getting petrol for my car that could be a 10 minute affair for most people but for me it could take 15-20 minutes just because uh, of a number of factors but like I don't know I like to take life slowly because there'll be plenty of opportunities where I have to think on my feet and think super fast and I just want to savor life as slowly and as considerably 
considerably, is that the right word? As slowly and as intentionally, that's probably a better word. As slowly and as intentionally as I could, because I just, I don't know, I find I appreciate life a lot more like that. Um, like, I, I I went out to Woolies uh, earlier last, <laughs> last night, pretty much, because it's morning now, it's like 2 a.m. now. Jesus Christ, bro. Um, yeah, I went out to Woolies last night, but what ended up happening was I told my parents I'd be going out to Woolies, and then... I, I stepped outside, I started walking, and I just walked past Woolies. I was like, oh, I was. I saw the kind of the main crossroads between Woolies, my, where my suburb is in the neighboring suburb. And I was like, oh, it looks really, this looks really nice at night. I might just go for a walk. And I just ended up going for a walk around the local school and um, just around the streets and then coming back and then going to Woolies. Like, just those kind of, like, small impromptu detours like those kind of things i really love that i don't know i don't know this is probably a really bad example for me to run with but essentially what i'm trying to say is just that me knowing everything about me makes it really hard for me to see how there could be there could possibly be another human being in australia where i live who could be even remotely close to who I am as a person or like how I operate um yeah I don't know why I got on this topic I think oh yeah I think love life is probably overdue as well but yeah I, I think we can, we can save that I'll talk about my current moral compass and love life later and I'll probably talk about some other stuff as well I really, haven't really decided though um who knows it might be next year <laughs> Yeah, watch watch me um, post the next one next year. We'll make this <laughs> every year. It'll be like an, a yearly update on my life and just random things about my life and who I am and different esoteric concepts that I try to bring up naturally in, in like free-flowing linear form. I don't know. But yeah, okay. I think I'll end it there. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, no doubt my nasally voice... The sound of rain and uh, random tapping noises here and there hasn't been helpful for this listening experience. But nevertheless, I appreciate Future Me and anyone else who bothered to listen this far for um, tuning in to this episode. And if you did for the last one, then thanks for that as well. I really hate how I sound like a, an influencer or a YouTuber here. It's disgusting. I can feel myself vomiting right now. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Till till next time. To loop. <laughs>